So picture this. You're gathered around the table with all of your friends and you decide, hey, why not talk to demons? Perhaps you're trying to talk to your recently deceased grandmother. So one of you has the bright idea to whip out a Ouija board. What could go wrong, you might ask? Well, a whole lot. You all gather around, put your hands on the planchette, and start asking questions. You think you get a hold of your grandmother, but soon things start to go awry. The answers become more aggressive. The planchette disfigurates. It keeps spelling Zozo. You ask if it's human, and it simply says, No. And that, my friends, is why you probably shouldn't look in the trees. Hi, it's Abby, and today we're going to be going over Ouija boards, their history, their creation, and why you most assuredly shouldn't play with them. The history of the Ouija board is just as mysterious as the Ouija board itself. There has been a scholar that has been doing research and still hasn't been figuring it out. It seems that the Ouija board really took off with the spiritualism movement. It started in Europe years before it came to America, but thanks to the Fox sisters, spiritualism, and with it, the Ouija board, swept the nation in 1848. What was originally marketed as a children's game, with simple cardboard with some letters, numbers, and yes or no, soon became a tool for other things. That, my friends, is what we're going to be talking about today. Humans have always wanted to know what's on the other side, whether that be through the spiritualism movement or seances, Ouija boards, dowsing rods, mediums. Humans have always wanted to know what lies beyond, including and not limited to this human, for better or for worse. I think it really speaks to our human nature and how fragile we really know ourselves to be because we're so fascinated on what lies beyond. The fact that the Ouija board has stayed such an icon in what could be and what might be is just fascinating to me. I've loved reading all of your stories that you've sent in, and I have a truly haunting tale of when a Ouija board goes very wrong, and I'll to be sharing my own tale of a Ouija board going wrong, and a little bit of demon possession, and a little bit of an exorcism. So strap in, gear up, because it's about to get spooky. Our first story comes from Karen, and Karen is her pseudonym, just for you all to know. She says, Hi there. I just now sat down through a bunch of your TikToks and really fell in love with your storytelling. I've got a Ouija board story, and you're welcome to share. And Karen writes, Okay, my weird-ass story. This happened about 11 years ago. I had a small group of college friends who would hang out, but we'd never go to the one specific friend's house because of how haunted he claimed it was. I'll call my haunted friend Chris, and my other two friends, Amy and Grant. Amy and Grant knew Chris way longer than I did, 
and they confirmed that Chris's house was crazy haunted. As they'd been there a few times ever since they were in high school. I was 19 at the time. These friends were all 21 and over. Among the ghosts he said haunted his house were an old man or lady who he was pretty sure was a grandparent, a laughing girl in his closet, and the quintessential shadow man. So I don't know what changed, but one night, well into our friendship, we all decided to hang out at Chris's house. It was your basic, built in the 70s, Miami suburb home, and clearly had a lot of history. But I didn't get really creepy vibes. We played a game of Monopoly, and had maybe two beers, because I was still under legal limit. And of the mindset that if I got caught somehow, I'd be in prison for the rest of my life. <laughs> my point is, I'm a lightweight, so I had a light buzz, but I definitely wasn't drunk. I know it's word of mouth, but 100% no matter how drunk I've ever gotten, I have never in my life blacked out. My memories of the night before are usually as clear as the day, minus some minor details here and there. The others weren't drinking much either. And at one point, I grabbed the PlayStation controller to play something with Amy and Grant, and Chris started joking about bringing out his Ouija board. I kind of border the line between what I believe and what I think. I'm just freaking myself out over. But I truly do not, will not, and have never messed with the Ouija board or any other paraphernalia that has Ouija symbolism on it. It's just something I don't vibe with at all, and I'm not religious. But whether I believe demons exist or not will not be confirmed through my usage of that thing. Ever. Because as a Latinx girl, that's really one of the cardinal rules of a Latinx household. Don't mess with anything that can open up some kind of portal to the dead. So they bring it out and start messing around with it, and I tried to ignore it. I don't remember a whole lot of what they were asking or saying, but I think at one point Chris mentioned his grandpa, and Grant tried to teach him how to properly close it before they put it away. And then... I blacked out. I didn't wake up until dawn the next day on the couch, with Chris sitting on the floor next to me, holding my hand, and he'd been crying. The other two had apparently just fallen asleep on the other couch. They told me that they thought I just kind of knocked out, when suddenly I was laughing hysterically for a long time. Maybe 30 minutes to an hour, like nonstop maniacal laughter. They said they were kind of just going along with it at first and thought I may have drunk too much or something. But when it didn't stop, they started to get freaked out. Apparently Grant rubbed some ice on my cheek to get a reaction out of me. He even said he slapped me. Not violently, because I definitely was not bruised or anything. And I don't blame anyone for trying to snap me out of it. And I apparently tried to strip my clothes off and run outside. But Chris and Amy stopped me while I kept laughing. And after the laughing, I suddenly started sobbing hysterically for another 30 minutes before I stopped abruptly and fell over and slept for the rest of the night. The other three stayed awake until closer to dawn, I guess because they were so freaked out about it, and asked if I remembered anything the next day. I didn't, and I still don't. It doesn't really freak me out because I don't remember anything, and I kind of just use it as a cautionary tale about the reason number 5 million on why I don't mess with Ouija boards. Since then, I've sort of fallen into this weird cycle of depression that hadn't been there before. It comes unprompted, and a lot of spikes when I listen to others vent, and I become so drained I sleep for hours even still. I can't be in a hospital too long because I get sick for days as well. Not physical or flu-like or anything that you might catch in the hospital, but the same weighted-down feeling of depression and hopelessness. 
I've dreamt about deaths of two family members that came true, and I think the happiest I've felt in recent years was when I visited an energy vortex in Arizona. I kind of just learned to live with it, and I'm generally just okay. But the fact that I've never really suffered with deep feelings of hopelessness until after that event makes me think that there might be some correlation there. Wow. I think I speak for all of us here, Karen, when I say that that is absolutely horrifying, and I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. To me, personally, it definitely sounds like whatever they were talking to, whether human or elsewise, definitely used you in some way, and I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I have a similar story. I wasn't the one being possessed, however. I was the unfortunate friend who had to witness it all happen. So, this happened my junior year of high school. And you'd think, after I'd already had a bad experience with a Ouija board when I was about 11, I would have known better. However, peer pressure is very real. (laughs) So I was over at my close friend's house, and they've been known to mess around with the occult. There were a couple of Wiccans there, a couple of ghost hunters, a Satanist... No judgment, no shame. You believe what you want to believe. But that's all to say that there was a very diverse cast of characters there. And one of my friends has been getting more in-depth with demonology and the like. And he wanted to see if he could communicate with something. So, the idiots being that we are, we all agreed that, yeah, what could go wrong here? Answer... A lot! (laughs) So, we all sit down in the living room on the floor. We gather on the table, put our hands on the planchette, and start getting to it. We open up the board, and this house is known to be haunted, so we talk to some kind spirits for a while, before, let's call him Greg, starts to take over the chat. So, we're talking to this friendly old man, asking him about his life, about his wife. Really quite sweet, actually. And Greg decides that he wants us to be about his demon research now. So he asks our kind old man, who we shall call Mike. So Greg asks Mike if there's anything otherworldly around. And Mike slowly sides the panchette to yes. And Greg says... Can he come play? And the planchette slides off of yes and back over to yes. And at this point, the air goes from a warm summer's day to ice cold. It feels like a morgue. Like you laid your sweaty back on a cold steel table. And a wave of frigid air washes over us as we sit there. The air gets stifling. It feels like we're living in an attic that hasn't been opened in years. The hair on my neck stood on end. The energy in the room went from peaceful and calm 
to electric and evil. It's like nothing I have ever experienced and hope to never experience again. At this point, we're all pretty pissed off at Greg and are asking him to stop it because we didn't really expect this. We didn't expect it to be so tangible and to be such a change. We didn't even think that there was going to be anything that responded because, yes, there are ghosts in the house, but they've all been kind and haven't posed any threat until now. So, one of the rules of Ouija is you don't ask how something died. And Greg decided, nah, we're not going to follow the rules here. So he asked how it died. And similar to my first story, the planchette simply said, No. As in, it has never lived. It has never died. It is something beyond our mortal comprehension. So at this point, Greg gets really excited, and we all get really pissed, and I want to cry, because I am not a big spooky-ooky person, even though I've had a lot of spooky-ooky things happen. So Greg asked for its name, and it says, Zozo, 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 over and over and over again. And if you don't know a whole lot about Ouija and Ouija history, Zozo is a constant, pretty continuous term that demons will use to refer to themselves while communicating with the Ouija board. So, again, Greg gets delighted because this is what he's been looking after. This is what he's been searching for. This is what he's been calling out into the universe. Again, hearkening back to the TikTok, your intentions set what happens to you. And he came in with the intention that he wants to see a demon. He wants to experience this. And unfortunately, he forced that onto some unconsenting participants. So as Greg continues to have his conversation with this demon, he asks how he's going to die. Which again, if you know anything about Ouija, is a question you do not ask. You don't need to know. You don't want to know. And the planchette starts to go wild. It keeps spinning in figure eights or infinity signs, depending on your orientation to the board. And at this point, we're starting to get freaked out. The air is going from freezing cold to hot. It's boiling. The planchette itself is starting to get hot. It's starting to burn. So I start freaking out along with my friend that's sitting to the right of me. She is visibly shaken. And we, unfortunately also break one of the rules. We let go of the planchette. And this kind of starts a domino effect of all of us gathering around of it. Let go. And the planchette keeps moving in this figure eight pattern. It does figure eights for what feels like an eternity, but was probably only about 15 seconds. And then it launches at Greg. At this point, it hits Greg in the chest, and he falls over. He slumps into his own lap a sack of potatoes hit in the ground and we call out to him say you know greg are you okay and he looks up from his lap and his eyes have gone from this honey brown to pitch black there is no whites of his eyes anymore it is just black and he lets out this guttural oh, getting chills thinking about it groan he doesn't say any words he just 
groans. When he finally starts talking, his voice is notably different. This wonderful tenor voice is suddenly speaking like he's a classically trained bassist. It is deep, it is gravelly, it is rocky, it is not his voice. And he starts to yell at us. Get out of here. Run. Where are you? Where am I? What? 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 Where? 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 It's not... It's not words. Well, it's words, but it's not sentences. He wasn't communicating with us. So we asked it. Where's Greg? And he says... And at this point, I'm freaking out. I didn't sign up for this. We're all freaking out. We didn't sign up for this. So, what do you do when your friend's suddenly possessed by a demon that you weren't anticipating for? You break out the kosher salt. Thankfully, our host for the evening did have a crucifix, even though she wasn't religious. You don't always have to be religious to use religious protection, I found. So, she runs back to her bedroom to get the crucifix. My friend runs to the kitchen to grab the salt. And I'm standing there like a chicken with my head cut off because I don't know what to do. Who knows what to do in this situation? Which is why it's important to educate yourself, my friends. So, let's call her mom, because she was the mom of the group. Whips out her crucifix and comes into the living room where we're sitting. Well, now standing. Greg gets visibly angry. He's seething. He's pacing back and forth like a tiger trapped in a cage. And we lay a line of salt on the floor so he can't leave the living room. He gets pissed. Even more pissed than he was. At this point, he's yelling at us. He's cursing us out. He's calling us every name in the book. When mom walks in with a crucifix, I think it realized what was happening. And he started telling secrets, screaming secrets, I should say, at us that we knew Greg didn't know. Personally speaking, he mocked me for my sexual assault that I never told Greg about. He didn't know that. He knew the name of the person that did it. He knew where it happened and when it happened and how old I was. And no one in the friend group knew about it either, so it's not like they could have gossiped to each other and he knew it. He, he cursed at the mom friend of the group for getting an abortion. And he didn't know about that either. I didn't know about it. None of us knew about it. So he gets nasty. He's spitting at us. He's screaming at us. He's revealing all these things that we wanted to keep secret. And we knew it meant business. That he meant business. So mom starts approaching her with the crucifix. And things start moving in the house. The chairs at the dining room table started shaking. The door opened. But he couldn't get past the salt ring. So my friend, let's call him Jeff, starts making sequential rings to trap Greg in the salt. To keep him there so he couldn't move. And he starts screaming and bellowing and saying terrible things and cussing us out. And finally, we get him pinned down in a little circle. Mom holds out the crucifix, and we're all praying to whatever we believe. There were people crying. I was crying because I 
was not emotionally prepared for this, and I wasn't emotionally prepared for my business to be spilt like that. But we're praying, and he's screaming, and he's thrashing, and he's writhing, and all of a sudden, this earth-shattering screech. It's not a yell, it's not a bellow, it's a screech. Whips from his throat. And what feels like a tornado whooshes past us. If you looked from Greg's feet to the front door that has since been opened from this thing, the lines of sequential salt that we placed have been brushed aside like Greg had ran through them out the door. Greg was still standing there. And then he collapses to the ground and just cries. For what feels like ages, he just cries and sobs and we comfort him. I don't, I still can't believe I saw what I saw and experienced what I experienced because it felt like something from a movie. But I don't think the movies do it justice. These things are real, my fine forest friends, and I want to keep you safe from them. I know it's tempting from hearing these stories and seeing how things don't always go wrong to think that it'll be okay. And sure, it might be okay, but it might not be. And is that risk worth it? Maybe for some of you it's worth it. But I hope that hearing my story both of my stories, I should say, and hearing Karen's stories, and there are others, and maybe I'll share some. So if you have some, send it in. Maybe I'll do a Demon Tales episode. That you heed our warnings. That you keep yourself safe. And if you do decide to play with a Ouija board, you do it safely. You do it with positive intentions. You don't do it in a graveyard. You don't do it alone. Do your research more than what I provided here today because I really just scratched the surface. Make smart decisions, my fine forest friends, and hopefully we'll all get home safely. But part of getting home safely is not looking in the trees. <laughs>